Welcome to this episode of the Soul Globe podcast. We are talking about moving through disentanglement today. I am Amalia Natalia with Karmic Kindness and... I'm Susan Martin with Susan Green Living. So we are here today to share just a few of our insights from personal experience in the disentanglement process. And if you are just discovering us and our podcast right now, and you haven't heard the first episode, the one that was the precursor to this one, please go check it out. We talk about disentanglement, what it is, um, how to, how to um, have a sense of when it's time to call it, when it's time to say we're done here. And I uh, talked about self-love and just love in general. And it's uh, a really great uh, conversation that I, we hope you, you check out. Today, we're talking about moving through disentanglement, and disentanglement is essentially our feel-good version of the word divorce. Um, neither Susan nor I particularly care for that word. It's so like, oh, and you know, there's a, an almost visceral reaction to it. Uh, both of us having been through the disentanglement process, one of the most difficult parts after deciding that it's time to call it quits in a relationship or uh, the car what I call the karmic expiry date has arrived is having that talk being able to say the words and then being able to stick to the words. so Susan do you want to share your experience with with that I think that's the hardest part is sticking to it and following through like we were talking about in the last podcast, um, it's such a roller coaster to know when it's time. And there are moments where you get that glimmer of hope and it makes you doubt that you're doing the right thing. It makes you second guess. It makes you backtrack and it makes you think that there could be uh, a sliver, a chance to reconcile and make everything right again. Um, so it's definitely uh, not a linear path. There's a lot of curves and swerves and turns and uh, roadblocks. <laughs> and and mountains what? and mountains that, you, that get thrown in front of you and you're like, okay, now what do I do with this? And, and sometimes they're just little hurdles and sometimes there's those, the huge mountains that uh, block it completely. Um, so that was, that, that was the, my experience was, uh, it took years, years to uh, stick to it. Um, we had little baby talks, you know, um, as I'd like to call them, baby talks, numerous times, mentioning how we were unhappy, how this wasn't working. But it took a really long time to actually be 100% honest with each other and actually stick to it. And even when we really had that final talk and really got the ball in motion, there were still moments after we knew we were moving out, we had a time frame. We were technically separated, but living together. 
that we both had doubts that both of us thought something was going to change. You know, for him, it happened first. Um, there was a night where he really helped me through something and it was around my birthday. So it was, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe like a month or two after we kind of started getting the ball rolling and really had the talk. Um, and he kind of thought that, oh, well, this was, this is rekindling, like we're gonna be okay. And I, I had to put my foot down and say, no, this hasn't changed anything. Um, I wish it would, but it hasn't. And then for me, it was a month later, I literally was plagued with this anxiety and crying like every day. It was just crazy, almost like dark night of the soul experience, <laughs> you know, um, this process over the few months and um, the guilt and, and the confusion and the fear and the what ifs and, you know, after you spend years of your life with somebody and the thought of starting over. Um, and I just, I was like, are we sure? Are, are, are you sure you want to do this? You know, and um, at that point, we were getting ready to move out. We only had a month left before we were officially breaking our lease and signing a new lease and getting out of everything. So. Uh, to him, that was his moment of putting the, his foot down. <laughs> and he said, you should have thought about that sooner. <laughs> We've already got the ball rolling. This is the right thing. You even said it last month. Like, we can't backtrack now. Um, but it was hard for me in the sense that I know we didn't have children together. I know you have four children. Um, it was just hard, like, it was, it was hard just even having my stepson around and then we were still interacting, the three of us, even though we were separated. So that also was causing the doubt and would make me question. Um, and so it was just a lot of like guilt over, over that, like breaking up that little unit that we had created. And um, yeah, so that for me, it was, it, it, it took a really long time to even just get the courage to do it when we finally did it and then sticking to it. Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. Like you mentioned a few things that I can completely relate to and I'm sure the listeners who may be in this situation have been, um, have been in this situation. You know, you, it doesn't have to be a smoking gun in the relationship for you to recognize that it's over. And I think one of the biggest pieces of guilt for, for people who don't have a smoking gun in the relationship. And what I mean by a smoking gun is some sort of betrayal of trust, whether that's infidelity or spending money behind their back, you know, gambling problem, alcohol, abuse, verbal, physical, emotional, whatever, you know, it's, there isn't that thing you can point to, to say, this is the reason. And likely even with those smoking guns, if you will, there's so much underneath that obviously as well. It's not just simply this one thing. And I, but I think for most folks who don't have something to point to, to the outside world, it's really difficult to muster up the courage to say the words 
and then to follow through and then sharing with others like this. There's so many layers and levels to this and, and hopefully we can get to all of it today. And if not, I guess Susan will reconnect and have a part two, but you know, you mentioned talking about being honest with each other starts with being honest with yourself first. And I mean, you know, I talk about radical honesty a lot, being radically honest with yourself and knowing and knowing from that deep part within you that this relationship is no longer serving either of you. It's not just about you. It's about both of you. Uh, you know, there's three people, I guess, or three energies in a relationship. It's, it's, you know, you as an individual, your partner as an individual, and then the relationship itself. Now, um, if there's an actual true third person, then you really definitely do have a, an issue and need to look at that. Uh, however, it's, you know, it is about being radically and completely honest with yourself. And I remember saying to my not anymore husband, probably at least half a dozen, maybe even closer to a dozen times. It's, oh, I'm done. That's it. We're finished. And, uh, you know, but then I would feel like that glimmer of hope, something would happen. And I would think, no, how can I do this? How can I, how can I, how can we break up our family? And what about our kids? And what about this or that, or these people or all of these, this life that you build with someone and just saying goodbye to that and not having any sense of what is coming for you being terrified. I mean, I remember being absolutely terrified about being alone. So my, my story is one where I, you guys were together for such a long time. We were together for 25 plus years. And I basically went from my parents' home to college, living with a bunch of people to moving in with him. And that's it. Like I never had that time where I lived alone. So recognizing the fact that, you know, after 40 something years of life, I'm going to be living alone for the first time was utterly like, I mean, terrifying isn't even the word. Like it was like, just I, almost like you couldn't move. Like I couldn't even fathom taking that step forward. And at the time that we're recording this, it's a couple weeks from Labor Day. And I remember sitting outside with him next to our pool. We had this, you know, a beautiful yard with a pool in the backyard and sitting there with him and, and recognizing and realizing in that moment, like this, this is it. Like we really truly are done. And I remember saying it to him outside that day. And I knew in that moment, in that connection that we had that day, that he knew also that I meant it, that it wasn't like the dozen times before I said it out of an emotional reaction to something. It was from a place where I was very calm, I was very centered, and I meant it. Like, I still felt sick. I can actually feel that feeling still as I'm, you know, sharing the story. You can feel it. You can feel <laughs> it. Yeah, you can feel it. But I knew that it was the right thing. I knew that we had to do it. And even after having the talk, there were probably, I can't even count how many times after that, where in my head, I questioned it. In my head, I doubted it. In my head, I thought about all of the things that I would miss and all of the things that were going to change. Yeah. Fast forward now, you know, a couple years after that moment, you know, I think this would be 
hmm, maybe you're two or three now. I'm kind of, I've even lost track. Uh, my life looks completely different than it did. I have a truer sense of myself. I realized that living alone and being by myself was actually really quite lovely and nothing to be scared of. And I also recognize the gifts that were given to me during my marriage and the gifts that I have that have been given to me now. And so there's beauty in both. And there's a, a sense of peace when you can get to a place of radical acceptance. So there's a radical honesty and then the radical acceptance of where you are and where your path is leading. And uh, just to just to mention one other point, and then I'll stop talking and, and let you share some thoughts, Susan. That is, you know, we talk about, you know, going into this place, not knowing what's coming. It's that unfamiliar, that uncertainty. And during the, again, during the time of this recording, it's the middle of a pandemic and there is a, a ton of uncertainty and people don't know what's going to be coming around the corner you know, as human beings, we're wired to stay in the familiar. It's comfortable. Even if it's miserable, we know it, we understand it. And so we tend to just be like, I can deal with it. It's not that bad. Well, he does do this or she does do that. And so that's really great. I can, I can hang in, I can do this. But the reality is, is if you've got this feeling within you somewhere, you know, not necessarily your head saying this person isn't enough. And it's all about, the other person not fulfilling some need of yours. It's this inner knowing and this feeling of like, there's something missing. There's some aspect of this that doesn't feel good anymore. And it's really about something bigger than the other person. The only chance you have of really being in full alignment with yourself is by going within and getting very, very comfortable with the discomfort of stepping into the unfamiliar. Because as terrifying as that is, I can guarantee you that it's going to feel amazing once you get beyond that place. Yeah. Unknown is so scary. It's a very scary uh, thing for so many people. And that's normal. It's not an unusual feeling, I guess, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's, we find comfort in the known, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> so true. It is, yeah. But yeah, two things that you said that really uh, resonated with me, um, the one was, you know, how the talk is actually handled, the two, you know, and then, um, now I can't remember the other one, but it'll come to me, but it will, it will come to talking about, um, there were so many times over the years in our horrible, horrible fights, um, that were pretty consistent, uh, especially towards the end there, um, like clockwork, um, that the D word was used over and over again. And, and like you said, though, it wasn't, that was always in the heat of the moment with the passion, with the anger, with the venom, you know, the word vomit, everything. It was just, it was more in the heat, that heated fight. Uh, but it's one you, when you actually <laughs> mm -hmm. 
take that time and sit down and calmly have that talk, calmly say that word, um, calmly and peacefully, well, maybe not peacefully and maybe not calmly, but in a more um, adult and um, open type of talk, uh, communication where you really sit down and try to be honest and uh, fair and have um, mindful communication where you're hearing the other person and actually sit down and say, it's not working. I do want a divorce. I do not think that we can fix this at this point. And I love you. I love me. <laughs> I love us. And I love us so much that I know for the best of both worlds, time to let go. In our situation, I, at that time, I honestly thought it would be just a break, as we call it, you know, a separation, some time apart to reevaluate, to let the resentment, um, you know, calm down, see where we were at in a few months. But the universe always has its, <laughs> you know, its plans, and there's always a purpose for everything. And um, it just didn't turn out that way. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I, I think that he's in a relationship, a very loving relationship, and feels very supported now. And that was something I always worried about. Um, because I did, I, I loved him so much and I, I will always love him no matter what. Uh, I hated him for a little bit, but uh, I always like to say that hate is not really the opposite of love. It's just love misdirected or misguided. <laughs> I think the true opposite of love is like apathy or indifference. But, uh, you know, now I'm back to that place where I'm, you know, forgiven him, forgiven myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy because... Sometimes you can love somebody, but the energies just don't. And you and I are such energetic beings and we're tapped into that. It's just sometimes it's just not conducive and people come into your life for a reason. And that was the other thing that you were talking about, the gifts in being married and the gifts in being alone. But I also think that there is gifts in this unraveling. It's in this disentanglement process. It's so challenging and it brings up so many things. And I totally already admitted that I literally had like a dark night of the soul. Um, for any of you that know what that is, it's just a very big uh, awakening process where you kind of, for lack of a better word, almost hit rock bottom mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, but it's for a reason. It's, you know, it's to show what needs to be purged, what needs to be cleansed, what needs to be brought in. Um, and a lot of us won't let go of things until we're beaten over the head to let it go, which is a lot of what we're talking about now. So, but there's beauty in it. I'm, I, I know that my relationship um, taught me many things. Um, 
there's also some things I wish I hadn't learned in that time. <laughs> I'm working on unraveling now, but that's a whole nother story. But at the same time, I wouldn't be who I am today without those moments, right? And um, then, so I'm grateful for that time together and we were meant to be in each other's lives. It was almost like this karmic lesson that we had to go through together. And then the actual process of disentangling brought so many gifts and all the stages of grief and basically like a rebirth and going through all that there's highs and lows there's the obstacles there's the blessings there's the lessons um all adventures and it's not linear for me it was not the normal like oh one two three four five stages of grief or you know keep going it was literally like went like all over the place and you know, sometimes it would go back to here and then come back up here. And you just have to realize that everyone handles things differently. Everything is a process. We're all beautifully and magically unique. Um, we all have different needs and, and just understand and unravel at different paces. And so what would work for me wouldn't necessarily work for somebody else. But I... I'm grateful for the journey, the hardships, the crying, the tears, the pain, the love, the fun, the freedom. It's all kind of wrapped in there. So being on the other side now, I there are so many gifts here. There are so many gifts of being alone and being in your power and um, just realizing all those fears were unwarranted. Um, but I feel like just, every step, but you could say that about probably much anything in life. <laughs> you know, I always try to look at life and challenges. It's, it's either a lesson or a blessing. There's no mistakes. Only lessons. Right. So. Yeah. I agree with you about grief, just to touch in on that really quickly and the stages and how it's not just this oh, well, we'll start in this place of sadness and then you go into anger. And then, you, I mean, I, fast forward these few years and I'm still, I still find myself every now and then sliding back into that nostalgic place and having a little bit of sadness and grief around what no longer is. I am not saying I want to go back by any stretch, but there was a sense of, you know, that family and that togetherness and, you know, we're, we're all raised or most of us anyway are raised to reach for that ideal family unit, the mother, the father, the kids, you know, grandparents living not that far away and aunts and uncles and everyone's just this one big happy family that's together forever. Well, in reality, that just is not usually the way it works out. Sometimes it does, and that's great, but oftentimes it doesn't. And one thing I've also learned is we each have our path here. We each have our journey, and our journeys are, are interwoven with one another. And when it comes to a, a, you know, a couple, especially if they have kids, you also have the kids' journeys to take into account. And you know what? Part of that journey for them may be the parents deciding that they would be happier living apart and the kids recognizing that it's okay 
to make that decision and that you can, if, if the two parents can be uh, mature, emotionally evolved to a certain point and they can have a friendly relationship, the kids can see that it's, you can do that. You know, I don't know where we got this sense of maybe Disney movies, thank you very much, Walt Disney, for planting this seed in our head that you must have the knight in shining armor and the girl must be this princess who needs rescuing and that they will live happily ever after. Well, not necessarily. And that's okay because the happily ever after may show up in a different package in a, in a way that you never expected. And maybe, maybe you find that happy ending yourself. You don't need someone to come in and create it for you. And I think that's one thing you do learn in that time apart with, you know, if, if you are disentangling or taking a little break or whatever you're doing or thinking about doing is there, you know, like you were saying, Susan, all of the, the gifts and, and the insights that you got in that time, it's unbelievable. It's amazing what you learn about yourself and what you truly want for yourself. What, what would you like your life to look like? What would you like your life to feel like? Do you see yourself with a partner or do you just feel like you have to because that's what everyone else wants and expects of you and for you? And you know, these are things I talk about uh, in, in my book, We to Me, that I'm still wrapping up. You know, the release date is set for this fall. I'm not sure that I'm going to make it. I'm going to be close, but not totally sure. But you know, it is all these questions and, you know, it is wondering, am I doing the right thing? And then feeling the guilt, especially if you have kids and, but just recognizing there's more going on than we see. And perhaps what if you're making this choice, you and your partner deciding this, this journey has come to an end and it's time to take new paths separately, but still work together, be a team as far as your kids are concerned what if you show your kids a different way? What if that opens them up to a path that's really the most powerful and soul nurturing for them? What a gift that is in you giving a gift to yourself as well. That's so true. It's so true. I think we're just so trained, as, especially as women, that we need that knight in shining armor. We have to have that significant other to complete us. Um, you know, no matter your, you, you know, who, who you love, um, all forms of love, um, you know, whatever your sexual orientation is, it doesn't matter. We're just all kind of trained that we need this partner, man or woman, to complete us like that's what you need like that's just it and we need someone to rescue us and prove that we're worthy of love and even though it doesn't really you don't really say it like that basically that's what it turns it, it, it is you're worthy of love and it really we have to be our own knight in shining armor no matter who you are we have to rescue ourselves we have to choose self-love if and that was a big thing, I think, in my marriage is I did not love myself. And if you don't love yourself, no matter how much you love somebody else, it doesn't work. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't take 
true love's form or whatever you you know throw in my little <laughs> throw in my little Disney or cartoon uh, words but um, it, it, it just there's holes in the foundation because the foundation is self-love is being your own best friend um, and I think that was a huge huge catalyst for when I actually started doing the self-work at the end you know at when we started disentangling then I really changed even more and it was just like I love myself and when you love yourself you have more empathy and love for others um you have more patience and kindness and then I was like I can't do this to you anymore either I I this is just it's just a whole awakening process and uh it was so profound for me and and I thought that that was just like, ha, oh, I'm here. But again, it's not linear. Kind of goes all over the place and it's a little bit of a roller coaster. So after this entanglement and when I was finally ready to start to love again, I also found myself going to the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> and being that super, you know, harsh, hard, I don't need anybody, I'm good on my own, like, you can't tell me what to do, like, I'm happy on my own, uh, my way or the highway kind of energy, so I literally went from compromising to every, from to everything and trying to do whatever, begging and pleading for this love, to the opposite end, which is not healthy either so <laughs> i really feel like it's still like it's this kind of like pendulum you know learning to find the balance so yes we want to be our own heroes we want to be the authors of our own story we you know um but it really the key is just that self-love component the self-love component creates more love for others and it has to be a balance, which maybe we'll talk, touch on another podcast because it could be a whole other thing about self-love versus selfishness. And so I had no self-love in the first really, you know, in my marriage and then trying to meeting somebody and then being totally on the other side and being so closed off, being so not open because the damage had been done and I hadn't gone through everything yet. And, um, and just being so hard that it wasn't even necessarily self-love that point, it was more being selfishness, but again, I had some other working through, working through and you, 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 you know, you grow and evolve and become better and everything happens for a reason. So, um, but it's finding that balance and it really, really starts with nurturing your soul, listening to your needs, um, and just being kind. Kind to yourself allows you to be kind to other people um, and being honest, honest with yourself and know that those uncomfortable moments, the moments where you think that it's never going to get better or the moments you're hysterically crying you're, or you're so angry and 
you just ask why, you know, why universe, why those are, those are the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful moments because it can create so much change and so much forward movement and almost put a, sometimes put a mirror in front of your face. Like this is why, <laughs> because everything out here is an extension of everything in here. So some of the things that we're focusing on really are about ourselves and we can only control ourselves. So if there's things that you are perceiving, take a look in the mirror because it could maybe be an extension of yourself. It could be a projection. And for me, that was so true. Um, and then tying it back in, it's the same thing with the self-love. If you don't have that, if it, that's not going on in here, it's not going on out there. Well, there's a saying, I believe, about you can only let love to the level at which you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, but you think you do, how are you able to actually give love? Because you're maybe not even aware of what love is. And, you know, the, the other aspect of love that is just occurring to me now that I think we tend to get caught up in when it comes to a partner, um, whether you're married or just in a relationship, is that you expect that other person to, to like you had said, to complete you. You also expect that other person to be everything to you. And you first need to be everything to yourself. Whether that person stays or goes is not going to affect your sense of value, worth, or love at all. So that's the first part of it. And then, you know, you were talking about, you know, the mirror. Well, all relationships are mirrors, whether they're intimate friendships or work related, you know, uh, that sort of like professional relationship. And whenever this is, this is my experience that I found whenever you are triggered or activated, or there's some part of you that's like, Whoa, you feel this affront in a way, or something gets stirred up and you find yourself angry, hurt, mad, whatever. There's something within you that is unhealed, something within you that needs to be addressed. And as much as the outside of it looks like it's the other person, it's not. I think that's what you were alluding to as well, <clears throat> is that it's really about you. It always come back, comes back to you. And I think that is another episode, you know, about, you know, we talk about people being selfish and think about your fellow human being and think about the animals and think about the earth and all of that. Well, that's important, of course. But if we don't have a deeper understanding within ourselves, how can we possibly have a deeper understanding for, about anyone else? I mean, we're with ourselves more than anyone. So that's a huge piece of it. And the other thing you mentioned too, which I loved was talking about the pendulum swing of emotions, going from this person who is like the yes girl or yes guy to the F no, no yeah, way. Exactly. F yeah. And so, I, you know, I think part of that is, is the, the process of learning where your boundaries are, learning what actually is important to you. And you're also, I think, controlling your environment because you don't want to get hurt again. Exactly. You don't want to go through what you just went through again because it's really not fun. 
you know, it's a great growing experience and it's incredibly transformative and evolutionary, but it's not painless and it is challenging for sure, for sure. But so worth it, wouldn't you say? Oh, oh gosh, I am a sucker for love. I am always in love's corner. I that's the one unknown that I would jump head first in every single time because it's so worth it, no matter what. To me, it's so worth it. I know some other people maybe listening to this would not agree. And I know some of those people that they're like, nope, it's just not worth it. I'm not even opening up again. I, 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 it's, I can't risk getting hurt again. I just can't do it. But for me, the thought of not opening up again, living in that regret of what if, and knowing how short life is, um, is so much scarier than the risk of, I would never say the risk of failing in another relationship because I don't believe in failure. I think that everything just, like I always say, happens for a reason. And I think that everything is a lesson or a blessing. Is it my most favorite time? No. <laughs> you know, it hurts, like you said. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. Um, but it's just falling in love and, and trying. It. Whether you make it work or don't make it work, it's just so worth it. It's so worth it. There's so many, so many blessings in it. I mean, you, you gotta, you've got to put yourself in the ring if you have any hope of success. And so, and putting yourself in it, there's the possibility of it not working out the way you would prefer. Uh, there is a possibility of some pain. There is some, the possibility of discomfort, but the joy that you could find, the love that you can find, the compassion that you find, the support that you find, the, um, deeper understanding of yourself that you can find, I think outweighs all of those possible quote unquote negative outcomes. And, you know, I, I totally get the, you know, after, you know, I, I recognize that things were over and, you know, I give my not anymore husband credit because he, he, he really was as, generous as he could be with, with his patience towards the end. And um, I think I also was equally generous with my level of compassion for where he was in the process. And, you know, in my situation, there was infidelity. Uh, and so I was working through the, the aspects of questioning myself, like the not enoughness, you know, that's something we don't really talk about a whole lot in society uh, with our friends, with our families is, you know, infidelity is a huge one because the person who, who has been cheated on feels unworthy. They feel not enough. The person who did the cheating likely is going through their own uh, gamut of events or um, of emotions, you know, around the events that took place. And you know, whenever there's space for someone else to come in, there's obviously been ruptures within the relationship beforehand. And so I don't lay blame anywhere 
I think I was 100% responsible for me. He was 100% responsible for him. And we did our best. And in the end, we recognized that we were better off going in different directions. That said, because of that unworthiness, that not enoughness, it took me a while to get to a place where I would even entertain the idea of allowing someone else in because my faith and trust in relationships was destroyed. And so that's another, a whole nother level of it too, is, you know, stepping back in, having the trust in someone that you don't know that well to not hurt you the way someone that you had known for over two decades hurt you. And then recognizing in that relationship that this person in front of you is not the person that you were with before. Instead of putting the same parameters, if you will, on that person that you had on your former spouse, that's another one, you know, I mean, that's another hurdle that you have to get through, but opening, but getting to a point where you can open yourself up, you can allow someone else in, even if it's just a little, just give yourself the space, just, but have that opening there because I, that it is totally worth it. Totally worth it. You know, the person that I'm with now, I would not have been, could not have imagined in a million years would have this sort of relationship and be able to be fully authentically, truly myself, somebody who's patient with all of my neuroses when it comes to relationships yeah. and all of that stuff that I deal with. That was perfect. That was perfect. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it, you know, a, two, three years ago, I would never have imagined this was possible. Yeah. Never would have imagined that I would have allowed someone into my heart that had a great big iron wall around it with a huge padlock on it saying keep the f out so <laughs> yeah 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 totally and i think that's another whole nother topic we could talk about and get into serious detail about is actually opening up to love after disentanglement that what that looks like what that feels like um that's a, that's a whole one in itself, um, opening up to love or reopening, <laughs> reopening. Yeah. Um, but we, did, we did do a short, um, well, it actually wasn't so short, but it was kind of, it was an all over the place podcast, I think, where you and I, um, that was on my um, individual yeah, soulful, soulful Sessions uh, podcast, where we did talk about disentanglement, opening up to love a little bit, a little bit about did self-pleasure we did oh, talk yeah, we, we went we went in on that one <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh it's crazy to how imagine to you know for me i'm just i'm still learning and growing and really good advice i could take from <laughs> my own personal experience of opening up to love uh, after disentanglement is don't punish them for the past sins of who you disentangled from, from your not anymore, like how you say it, not anymore husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely um, was still, was not quite ready, but I found somebody that just, I don't know, we're just linked 
in some energetic way that it's just undeniable. And I definitely had so many conditions and really punished him because of my past. And you have to remember that relationships, you're, no one's perfect. And I definitely am learning that I had created some cracks in our foundation because of the toxic patterns that I had in my marriage. I'm not saying it's okay that that happened, um, but I see why it did. And again, I think that's another mirror. So it was holding it up, this new relationships, holding up that mirror and showing places where I still have a lot of room to grow and also showing me that I did do the pendulum. <laughs> <laughs> I went from the one to the other, and now it's like, wow, for the sake of myself, for the sake of him, for the sake of our relationship, for the sake of soon-to-be family, I need to be, I need to find balance. And it might take a while. It might be a little new, and then, you know, back, and then until it lands, like, softly in the middle. Um, for those of that couldn't see, if you're listening to this, I just did a little, you know, back and forth, slowing down pendulum action, but... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a process. It's all a process. Everything, the steps to the talk, the talk itself, the whole disentanglement process, you know, opening up again, that self-love versus selfish. It's all a learning curve. It's all a growth. There's no right or wrong. Um, but if you can be honest with yourself and anyone involved, if you can tap into love and not close off, you know, keep your capacity to love and love yourself first, those two components, I think, really make the process so much less challenging. I mean, there's going to be challenges, but... You're easier to forgive yourself and others if you have that honest, loving energy. And no one's perfect. <laughs> no one is perfect. We're all spiritual beings having this human existence. And if you can look at others as extensions of yourself because we're all connected, it sometimes softens it, sometimes not, especially when that person cuts you off in traffic, which not a lot of us are driving as much as we used to these days. But, um, but you know, it's sometimes hard to, to take that in consideration. But, but yeah, we're all connected and it's all, we're all just energy. We're all, we all just want to be loved is bottom line. And, um, like we said, though, it starts from within, that self-love. If you're lacking that, then um, I love RuPaul. <laughs> and he always says that is, is, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? And it's so true. It is so true. It is so true. I think that's great advice about opening up to love and loving yourself. And often people will say, well, how do I do that? Because I can say personally, that was something I wasn't sure how to do. And if you don't know how to do it and you're currently in a relationship and you find that you are unhappy and you are doubting whether to stay or go and you're unsure what to do, I would 
recommend or suggest taking some time to spend by yourself mm -hmm. and get to know what that feels like because then you are I don't particularly care for the word forced but it's the it's the most uh, appropriate word for the process you're forced to take a look at yourself I know that when I finally made the decision and I moved into a place of my own it forced me to get to know me and to have an understanding of what loving myself looked like, what loving myself felt like. And you will discover a lot about yourself in that time, in that quiet, in that space where it's just me, myself, and I. So again, I think to, I guess to, to sum it up and wrap it up here, Susan, it's, it all comes down to love, opening yourself up to it, getting to know yourself, allowing the love for yourself in, and then eventually allowing the love of someone else to enter. And, you know, maybe perhaps next time we can talk about, you know, this process and the effects it has on other people, your friends, your family, uh, and then maybe do another show about the, uh, that self-love, selfish mm -hmm. aspect. So we've got a couple more yeah. more shows coming up for everyone to take a listen to. And of course, the first installment of this, of this series, Disentanglement. So, yeah, so I guess I'm Molly and Natalia with Karmic Kindness. Want to thank you for joining Susan Martin of Susan Green Living yes. and myself <laughs> today. We, it was a pleasure. Um, anything you want to share to close out, Susan? The only thing I really have is like what you were saying, even last little tidbit of advice, you were saying the moving after and spend that alone time after. I even took the time before we fully made the decision and before we disentangled, I took so much alone time. Um, I purposely spent, I mean, we were still living together, but I purposely carved out tons of alone time and tons of space in my life to really sit and be alone, to do the self-work, to do meditations, journalings, therapy, yoga, Reiki, any type of modality that I needed at the time to really start to become my own best friend. So it's possible, you know, if you're like, I don't, I'm not ready to move out and be alone right this second, you can do it while you're figuring it out as well. There's different paths for everyone. And um, these are just our, our, you know, our two experiences. Um, and we just hope that it resonates with some of you listening and we can just be a ray of hope and to know that we love you and we wish you the best. And we grow through, you know, we glow through what we grow through. <laughs> so. That's right. I love that. And, and, you know, maybe we'll do a little mini podcast about the different things that we, yeah. we used, the different strategies and tools. You touched on a few of them, but maybe we can dig in a little deeper on that. So that's awesome. All right. From the bottoms of our hearts, we thank you all so much for joining thank us so much. today on the Soul Glow podcast. And we hope to find you again or hope you find us again in the near future. Have an awesome day, everyone. Thank you. Bye.